Welcome to Pod at the Montecito, the world's premier podcast discussing the hit NBC television show Las Vegas. I'm one of your hosts, Judson Clark. I'm your other host, Eddie McCarthy. And Judson, I'm glad that the uh, tryptophan did not affect the accuracy of the intro. Still spot on, bud. No, sir. No, sir. You got to take some things more seriously than Thanksgiving. And that's how I feel about this intro. Damn right. We got some boxing we need to talk about, my friend. Oh, buddy. There was an event last night. A spectacle, even. First of all, who knows more about boxing than us? Uh, boxers. Okay, but who else? Uh, boxing fans. Other than that? Boxing writers. Other than that? Nobody. Exactly. So last night, we had a couple of fights. I guess there was a lot of fights, but the two that we're talking about should really be charitably described as a fight and a 16th of a fight. I think you could also describe it as carny-ass bullshit. Yeah, yeah, although I think Carnius would take offense at that. No, they they would be very proud of what happened last night, I believe. So the first fight in question, we had a YouTuber taking on a former NBA player. Talk me through it. Well, you've got Nate Robinson, a mostly known for being a three-time slam dunk contest champion, which is notable given he is my height, uh, slightly better vertical, a little more athletic, but he was making his debut against Jake Paul, who was really just an all-around piece of shit. Now, that's the YouTube guy. Didn't he fight before? Yes, he has fought one professional fight before this and also an amateur fight that was on some carny-ass card. Are we putting professional in heavy scare quotes? Uh, we We are using professional in the meaning of he is a registered, licensed professional okay. fighter. Okay, not that it was a professional operation. No. Now, going into this, I think uh, reasonable people could disagree about this, but they thought, all right, Nate Robinson, professional athlete, he appeared to be taking it somewhat seriously in his training. Maybe this will be a good fight. But then the second round happened. I mean, he was definitely the dog coming into this. Paul has actually fought before. Uh, right. I think he, he won if it's like a minus 350 favorite. Something think, something, something like that. pretty, pretty handily favored. But yeah, he uh, he put Nate Robinson to sleep in the beginning of the second round. And when I say put to sleep, that is not just the typical, oh, he knocked him out, but then he got back up or just didn't make the count or whatever. No, dude got slept. His soul left his body for a good 45 seconds before ghost yeah, daddy out before down. he hit the mat. Yeah. In uh, if well, I guess you're going to be hearing this considerably further away, but you could probably still do a Twitter search for Nate Robinson and just some phenomenal memes. Yeah, the one that I saw was my favorite was it was apparently the nine year anniversary of when he tweeted time for a nap, which was an innocuous. I'm actually going to take a nap tweet. There was there was a lot of fun had with that. Um, I, I think this is the most meme worthy knockout since Pacquiao a few years ago. And the most famous one that came out of that was Simba trying to reach for his dying father. Yeah. They did a real good job with that. It was just a lot of fun was had. Now, the second fight, this is the one I think we can only barely describe as the 16th of a fight. Return of two legends, 38 years removed from their last boxing bout. Uh, 15 for one and a mere two for the other. God, was it only two for Roy Jones? Well, Roy Jones fought a fight in 2018. We are was it against a guy outside a bar. Uh, it might have been. I mean, we are. He he was the fighter of the decade for the 90s for a reason. Yeah. You know, Roy is 51 and I believe Mike is 54. Roy Jones Jr., my favorite boxer of my life that I've watched. Always loved him. I mean, four, a title holder in four different weight classes. Phenomenal. Mike Tyson, you know, obviously one of the most feared heavyweights of all time insane knockout power man this would have been a lot of I fun mean, 20 years the hangover ago. alone i mean he still had it then <laughs> he he got that one hook off that's all he needs man that right hook is legendary and that's while he was playing piano too but i've been waiting for this moment for all my life one more time guys oh lord oh jeez but yeah oof this was mike roy jones wanted no part of this he was throwing what could best be described as fadeaway jabs, which, hey, if you put me in a ring with Mike Tyson, yeah, that's the only way I'm even going to pretend to throw a punch. Yeah, I'm going to go lay down in the center of the ring and be like, oh, it's over. I guess I tried. 
Yeah, Mike uh, pretty much beat his ass from bell to bell. And yet when they came to the cards, which until like yesterday afternoon, there was not going to be a winner. And then they changed the rules and quickly started taking bets on it. And lo and behold, it came out a draw. Do you know what happens in a draw in boxing? Everyone who picked a side, you're going to lose your money. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. Didn't the, I think it was California was running this fight, right? Yes, sir. Staples Center. Didn't the California Athletic Commission take the rare step of warning people there was not going to be a winner in this fight? They did. That was originally the rule. It was it was denoted as hard sparring. And then sometime yesterday afternoon, they were like, ah, fuck it. They're going to fight. It was only two minute rounds. It was only eight rounds. They were wearing 12 ounce gloves, which is not the normal uh, size of the gloves, but I guess they realized, hey, we can bilk some more people out of money. And oh, man, I bet there were a lot of angry people because that was a trash decision. I feel like there's a hard sparring joke somewhere. I think we may find use for it later on in the episode, actually. Well, jokes aside, uh, both those fights to me were fucking embarrassments. Uh, I mean, at some point, somebody's going to die doing the stupid bullshit. You would think so. I mean, give me the the Mosley cannibal fight from earlier in the season in Las Vegas. Hundred percent. Any time over this, this hundred percent. Oof, it was it was rough, man. I mean, I think the geezers were going to be fine, but these fucking amateurs. I mean, professional, but fuck, these are. I mean, Nate Robinson got paid six hundred bucks. These guys are amateurs. <laughs> Literally six hundred United States American dollars is all that they got paid for the fight. Now, yes, they probably got some points on the pay per view, and they got endorsements i'm sure out the ass but the purse was six hundred dollars bro you couldn't get me to just travel to the Staples center for 600 bucks much less fight somebody there just man what idiocy gotta love it but but someone's gonna get themselves fucking killed at some point yeah it's it's certainly possible nate rob damn near did last night yeah the nap nate took is one that has killed people in the past yeah uh jake paul has like He's been working on this hard. He seems to be credible. Like he didn't look like an idiot, but yeah, you put him against a real person. Like he called out Conor McGregor, which seems like a really poor choice. That's a good way to die either in the ring or outside of it. When Conor McGregor shows up at your house and kills you or just the crazy Irish fans that we saw the one time. Were you with me? The one time we were there on a UFC Conor McGregor card, yep. any of those folks will fight you. They're all crazy. Well, we And I don't know if it was that trip or a different one, but we were talking to a cab driver who basically said he will not go within four properties of the fight venue. It's just just like, nope, won't do it. It's a war zone. (laughs) Yeah. He's like, there's drive-bys. I mean, people getting in random fights. He's like, nope, won't fucking do it. Probably smart. Well, speaking of smart, I think we've got a real clever highbrow episode of Vegas we should get to. Are you up for it? You know I'm ready. It's season one, episode 17. You can't take it with you. Definitely the inflection intended. Why can't you see what you're doing to me? What you're doing to me? Well, so we open with Samwise Gamgee, and it turns out he has come back from his quest for the One True Ring, and he's immediately going to seven out with some very, very CGI dice. The, the effects budget was not in high demand on this one. Can I take a moment to say something? Cause I have a feeling I know where this episode's going to go and I want this yeah. on the record. Yeah. Hit me with it. I love Sean Astin. He is probably as an actor responsible for more me crying at a movie than any other actor. Was he fucking Rudy? He was Rudy. Mm, and, okay. and also to note Rudy, the actual person fucking sucks. Fuck that guy. He's a trash person. Nobody at Notre Dame actually really knew who he was or cared what was happening. But the movie, I love the movie. I have to love the movie. I went to Notre Dame. It's perfect. Sean Astin rules. I would say the thing I like most about Sean Astin is that his name is very close to the car Aston Martin. Okay. So not you are not as on board as me with Sean Astin, just generally. Rooty, notwithstanding. His other big role, fucking Samwise, I find uh, intolerable. I just hate. Wow. Yeah. He's just, he's, he's a whiny piece of shit that gets credit for being a loyal friend only because he tries to bail about 700 times and doesn't even have the sack to bail. Wow. Wow. That is. Feel free to at me. That is a Montecito take. Pod 
our social ma- media manager will forward all of your hate mail. Samwise Ganji, have you been eavesdropping? I haven't dropped no eaves, sir, honest. Oof, aloof. Uh, let it be known that is not the podcast nor this host's opinion. That is the host of only Judson Clark. So keep that in mind. Anyway, terrible advice. So, yeah, just to see us as at acting. How Nessa is drawn you. over by the commotion discovers the guy doesn't have the money to play at the $10 table. He's brandishing around a sweaty single dollar bill as he's just ripping into this old guy next to him who he accuses him of being a cooler, trying to flirt with this woman who, as soon as she sees the single, why is she even still talking to him? Like, what? She, this she is, is your... just very, very patient and friendly, I yeah. guess. And Nessa bounces him. Meanwhile, Sam is recruiting Mike to keep a lookout for this new whale of hers this fund manager that she's luring into gambling. This seems like a really dumb gamble on the part of Sam, no? Yeah, I would think that you want to get, you know, gamblers to be your clientele as a casino host. Yeah, so we'll later see this guy. He's probably in his late 40s, early 50s, somewhere in there. If this guy's in his late 20s as a hedge fund manager, maybe he just hasn't been exposed to it, you know, what have you. I don't know. But anyway, all these guys are a stone's throw from Atlantic City. So... If they want to gamble, they're going to gamble. But how's this guy gotten two, three decades into his adult life not gambling and be like, oh, you know what? Fuck it. I'm going to be a seven figure whale and justify this level of spend from Sam. It seems like a poor, poor choice by young Miss Marquez. So bold strategy, Cotton. Let's see if it pays off for him. Well, not too young, as Jonathan Tam would remind you. Hey, Sam gets flagged down by a couple of people that she clearly knows and hates like me. Can't stand them. It is Stan and Helen Pataska from Waukegan, Illinois, or as they would say, Chicago, if they were in the real world. <laughs> Helen played by the obviously now famous Jane Lynch. Love Jane Stan Lynch. Pa- yeah. Way better than Sean Astin. Uh, Stan played by Tim Bagley, who I recognized from stuff, but I had to look him up. He just he's got that familiar B-list face to him. He is. He is definitely that guy. He has been in you know one or two episodes of several of a few shows that I have watched and a yeah. whole lot of shows that I have not watched and or heard of. My boy Tim works for a living. Fuck. And you know this guy is auditioning too. Like he's not just giving quote and showing up at the top of the call sheet. He is catching 12 cent royalty checks all day long. My my guy Bags is grinding on his leather ass and I respect it. However, these doofy fucks, we're on record to say we did not need any more Upper Midwest uh, straw men to poke fun of and, and humiliate. But we got him again. Yeah. And these guys are coupon fiends. So first of all, I'll speak for myself. Everyone who knows me knows this is true about me. It is so embarrassing to use a coupon, much less 100 coupons. Newsflash, Stan and Helen, you cannot afford Las Vegas. That's fine. A lot of people can't. You just can't afford it. <laughs> you certainly can't afford multiple trips, and you certainly cannot afford the loss to your self-esteem of carrying around a giant cat duffel that you meow a bunch as you pull coupons out of its asshole. While saying to feed the puppet, which I would think would mean put coupons into the animal. Well, yeah, you Stan needs you to feed the kitty so that he can anal fist it and pull the coupons out to spend them. Obviously, he doesn't want you taking coupons from the kitty. He wants you giving coupons to the kitty. I guess I never understood why he was asking Sam, which in just a real episode full of bad choices for Sam, why is she talking to these people? Why does she have a relationship with them? They don't gamble. Just get them the fuck out of your life. We saw a few episodes. She's dropped a dude on his head who was a legit gambler who just wasn't gambling enough. These guys will later bet five to win 40. Why is Sam still talking? She is heartless in every other component of her life. Yeah. I think Stan, Helen, fuck off and die. Yeah. Stan, you fuck off. Helen, you die. Fuck off and die. Sam out. Slotsomania is downtown that way. Go have fun. Yeah. They, They seem like a real circus circus kind of people, not fucking Montecito. I don't even think you're getting circus circus out of these guys. Hooters? Oh no! This is off, off by trap. We're we're. I think that is also a level too high for them. I don't think there's anything lower than the Hooters by the trap. Man, if there is, that's where they belong. These these are some Laughlin ass folk. Yeah, they honestly should be laughing at Laughlin. 
So Samwise, on his way out of the casino, saddles up to a dollar a pull slot machine with a chance to win a million dollars. He, of course, hits it because, as you told us last week, an annoying guest was going to win a bunch of money. That's him. (laughs) And he starts shrieking. Not only did I want to turn off the episode immediately, I wanted to cancel the podcast. Like, well, we've had a good run. 16 is a nice round number. I didn't make it to the episode in season two. That is my raison d'etre for doing this. But, you know, I failed at other things in life. At least I tried. What did you find more unlikely? That he won the million on the one poll or that the slot machine would ever expect that crumpled up sweaty ass dollar bill that he had? Honestly, this episode could have been redeemed if it had taken him 15 tries to put the dollar in. <laughs> I'd have been like, okay, you know what? Good bit. That's a good bit. Good bit. That's a good bit. I will I will tough out the next 38 minutes of this. Sorry, writer's room. You left that one on the floor for us. This is the ace of spades flipping into the middle of the table at Maverick. Opportunity for comedy whiffed. Oh my God, you got a hold of that one. We come out of the credits. Big Ed is congratulating Samwise, who's character name in the episode is Lloyd, which is just as shitty as Samwise. So I'm fine using them interchangeably. This slander is just disgusting. (laughs) The guy wants cash instead of a check, which Ed, like, fuck you. We'll pay you however we want. Mary convinces Ed to audible to cash because she said, hey, he's a local. It's going to be good publicity. This will be good for us. He's a degenerate. He will put it on the fucking table right now and give it right back. Let's not build a wall between him and giving us our money back. Look, she is right from a casino resort employee standpoint. This is absolutely the right call. But because this is what sets the whole A plot in motion, it's an unforgivable mistake. I'm hitting it with a Bad Mary episode drop right here, right now. I I do not condone this. Whoa, Bad Mary. We hear a woman shouting off camera. Edward Melvin Delon. Melvin. Turns out it's Big Ed's mother. I would like to pause here, though. On that middle name choice, Melvin. How did they not do more with that? We'll get a little throwaway joke later about his nickname being Binky or something. You had it with Melvin. You have it with his actual middle name. You don't need an embarrassing nickname. It's Melvin. Big Mel. What's good? Yeah. The fact that they left that on the table, you can't you can't just give us that and then never use it again. And it never comes up again. I will I will space buck bet right now we never hear Melvin again. No action. Because I don't think we see Ed's mom again, and no one else is going to have the sack to call him Melvin. For some reason, I thought she comes back at some point. She might. Not this season. I, don't, I think like I don't think so. The two or three. Because I thought I thought yeah. we did get some Jillian interaction. Uh, we might. So we know Ed's mom's here. In the meantime, Big Ed gives the guy his cash. The local media is there filming it, and they show him, which is broadcast across town to a trailer with some woman getting her groove on with another dude who screams at the TV, I hope you die. First of all, lady, me too. (laughs) Me too. (laughs) Secondly, it's as if Big Ed heard the woman through the camera because we come back to men like, all right, here's your money. Now, like, I don't know, protect it. You know, friendly advice from a former CIA guy and head honcho here, million dollars in cash. Your target now. Also, we gave you a brightly colored translucent case that clearly shows all of the money. Did they have this briefcase sitting around? I, I like to think yes. I like to think that they sent somebody to the Spencers at Miracle Mile. It was like, get us a fucking horrendous briefcase. Ideally, one of the locks doesn't work. You have 10 minutes till the camera show up. <laughs> the guy refuses because, I mean, he's taking a ring all the way to some volcano. He doesn't need Big Ed telling him what to do with his money. Instead says he's going to sleep with the money and continues to be a huge asshole to everybody. Ed, Danny, Mary. Why isn't he happier? Even assholes are occasionally happy, right? And I would think a life changing amount of money might trigger some inadvertent politeness or happiness. I, I think it went actually the opposite and he could lean into being the full asshole that he clearly is. And they now now he has no remorse and nobody can call him on his bullshit because he's rich, which I mean, yeah, obviously, because that's the kind of behavior you get from Ruti. But you're the worst. Just just a, you're, you're the slanderous nature of this episode is harmful to me as a person, to our audience mm-hmm. who are good, fine yeah. people who know well, some great of them are. cinema and just disgusting performance so far by you. I'm appalled. 
I mean, maybe in a later episode, we can talk about the Sandlot and how much that sucks if you want to. Wow. I you're right. We might be canceling the podcast today. God bless America. Or or we're just going to get canceled when episode 18 has two listeners. We'll know. (laughs) So Mike spots Sam's would be well at regular check in. He's haggling over comps in advance saying all my shit's free, right? Poor check in person's like, yeah, I mean, beep, boop, bop. It's what it says in the system. Doesn't like anyone to take his bag because, quote, he doesn't give away tips. More than Rudy, I hate this guy and want him to die. Just the worst. I mean, it's a service industry. If you don't let a bellhop take your bag because it's just a small light bag and you want to keep it with you, cool. If you're not doing it because you don't want to give the guy three to five dollars, just fuck off. Like, you're, don't just punch him in the face. At least own your being an <laughs> asshole. Yeah. Don't stay at a hotel like you're a, you're a dick. Mike instantly clocks this guy. Doesn't sound like a whale to me. See about that. Ah, not yet. What the fuck do you know, Mike? Well, Mike went to MIT. Okay, Sam? So I'd listen to him. Also, we heard very early on that the valets know everything in Vegas. I mean, he certainly knows what gamblers look like and not. And he, I mean, look, obviously so should Sam. But Mike has this knowledge and is removed enough to not be an impassioned player in this. He's like, hey, don't get off my back. But that ain't your it. boy about to fuck you. Yeah, that, that that ain't what you want. We're at the beautiful wax. Ed's having cocktail with his mom, who goes by the name Bet. I guess because that's her name. I don't know why I said goes by the name. <laughs> I mean, and as much as it is her name, Danny wanders over, gets absolutely roasted by grandma. Like, oh, you're the piece of shit uh, that uh, Delinda dated. I thought you'd be stronger and better looking and all that shit. Just catching like, strays what? right off the bat. Yeah. Danny gets in an awkward Bet the line joke because her name is Bet the line. Look, another another tip for the writing room to punch this up. Invert that because my first thought was why is Bet being such a horrible person to Danny, and then Danny gets this awkward joke in that causes her to roll her eyes out of their sockets. Flip it. Danny makes a dumb joke, and then Bet's like, "All right, motherfucker, <laughs> like let let the fucking clips yeah. spray on him." Yeah, I think that would have been better. As it is, Delinda comes over, and it turns out that. She knew Bet was coming to town. Jillian knew because it turns out she bailed to Budapest to get some shop again. What if it be in the same country as her mother-in-law? I like how Delinda made it very clear in front of her grandmother. Yeah, like five minutes after I got off the phone with you and you told me you were coming, my mom was like, oh, I got to leave the country. Bye. Yeah, I'm going to a place that takes two connections to get there from here. See ya. How is Ed the last one to know this. Even Delinda is like, well, you have people everywhere. Thought you'd know, motherfucker. Yeah, especially there is a, a fairly clear, I don't want to say disdain, but he is not happy his mom is here. You would think he would have a bolo out at all times of, if you see this woman, please alert me immediately. Yeah, like TSA at the airport. Like, detain her, please. Give give her that real good treatment. Yeah. And look, everyone has a different relationship with their mother. I'm not going to judge this. Bet is just a horrible person. She's just mean spirited. She's mean to everybody but Delinda. Pretty much. Yeah, she she is very clearly just terrible from the jump. You are not meant to like her or sympathize with her in any way. Yeah. Mission accomplished. So we've got just a recap. Sam Wise, who is written as a huge asshole, hedge fund manager written as a huge asshole and bet written as a huge asshole. Why did they think this was going to be a fun episode? Yeah, you'd think you get, I I guess the coupon folks are supposed to be comedic relief and they seem very friendly. Yeah, they're not assholes. They're just annoying. Right. But yeah, you'd think you'd throw one likable person in there. Actually, I take that back. Uh, Later on, they're going to be kind of assholes because of of their coupon shenanigans. So I'm going to say five for five, the non-core members of this plot are all are all shitheads. And we've even gotten into the the Lloyd's wife and his accomplice also asked. Just, so, yeah. I mean, that's a clean sweep, my man. There's nobody here worth rooting for. No, yeah, everyone is bad. So Ed tries to offload his mom into the hotel. Like, hey, wouldn't you be more comfortable in a suite? She says, fuck that. I'm staying in your guest bedroom. Cool, cool, cool. He's obviously not thrilled. We go up. We see Lloyd. He's being shown his new suite. Still continue to be a real piece of shit. But I've got a question. Yes, sir. He starts calling Danny Charlie. He does. Why? There is never any reason given aside from he is just getting the name wrong and continues to do it even when told what the real name is like a dick. 
I do not think there is a Charlie Don't Surf okay. reference here, although it's close, but I I don't think there's anything special to it. Okay. Well, it's just another dumb plot beat. Danny, nay Charlie, is begging Lloyd to take this security shit seriously. It's like, man, you were just on camera. Everyone knows you got the money. Like, come on, let's be smart about this. He's not going to do it. Meanwhile, what he is going to do is start to take a shit in the suite's bathroom with the door open. Door open. Mary, even though this is a bad Mary episode because of the original sin, it's like, okay, well, I'm going to leave. Danny hangs out for a few minutes. Like, a dude's dropping a shit. You leave. Yeah. It's just, bye. I'll be right outside if you need me. Or my card's on the table. Yeah, you were told to watch the room. It did not mean you had to stay inside the room, especially while this dude's dropping a deuce. Eventually, he steps out. He takes a call from Ed when Lloyd comes busting out of his suite. He's got pain in his left arm. Obviously, it's a heart attack, and he's getting hauled off in an ambulance. Don't worry, Danny says as they load Samwise into the ambulance. We've already locked your room down. Your money's safe. Really? (laughs) Really, writer's room? Okay. Well, you also have Lloyd as he's being carted out, screaming, my money, my money, don't let them touch my money. And I wonder if the first time you saw this episode, is it possible you thought, gee, I think something might happen to his money. Something did pop up in the old brain sphere for me, yes. Yeah. We get a brief interstitial scene of the coupon fucks betting their five to win 40, while Nessa looks on in a mixture of amusement and befuddlement like there's sort of a i respect the hustle but also how is it that this can exist in my casino yeah, why why is this a thing and how have i never seen it before we get them real quick then we pop over to my memorial hospital to learn that lloyd has died at the hospital bum 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 i'm sure you were just broken up about it it's why i spent the money to name the hospital after myself <laughs> because they killed lloyd there Spoiler alert, I want my money back. <laughs> yeah, you fucked up on that one, bud. Should have should have waited for at least 30 more minutes before I wrote that check. Poorly, poorly done. He chose poorly. We come out of commercial. We're back at the Bellicera where Bet is holding court with Danny and Mary telling embarrassing stories about Big Ed to his friends behind his back. Friends, but also more importantly, his subordinates. Yeah. Great point. After talking about him and talking shit about him, she's surprised to learn that it pisses him off. How could this be? (laughs) You don't like it when I drag out embarrassing stories of your childhood, Ed, in front of your subordinates. Most people love when that happens. Yeah. Ask any child ever. (laughs) This is a thing they really enjoy. (laughs) Meanwhile, the woman from the trailer park shows up and is accosting Ed, asking about Samwise, which I actually love. Excuse me. Are you Mr. DeLine? Yeah. Yeah, well, I'm looking for Lloyd Campbell. Yeah. The million-dollar winner. Yeah. I'm his wife. Guess we're going to need to dig a little deeper in that then, lady. <laughs> Drag her out to security, break the news that he's dead of a heart attack. Gotta say, this lady, pretty nonplussed. All she cares about is, where's my scratch? Yeah, this is not a loving and doting wife. Do we ever get her name? We do. It is Tammy. And would you like a fun fact? I'd love a fun fact. The actress who plays Tammy is named Nikki Acox, A-Y-C-O-X, which I bet was a lot of fun on set with Nikki Cox. Huh. That is a very fun fact. What are the odds that Nikki Cox has a middle name that starts with A? Ooh, one in 26. I actually think it's higher than that, right? Because A is a fairly common first middle initial. I just wanted a dumb joke. Yeah, I'm glossing right over that bullshit. <laughs> you masked me. Yeah. Uh, Holy shit. Nicole Avery Cox. Bullshit. Wow. Wow, 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 wow. (laughs) Okay. Uh, We're going down a quick tangent here. (laughs) Okay. I'm going to tell you some, I guess they're facts, trivia, ephemera about uh, Miss Avery Cox. She was briefly, oh no, shit, not very briefly. Uh, She was married to Jay Moore for almost 12 years. Mm -hmm. I knew that. She is the elder sister of Matthew Cox. Okie doke. She was born the same day as Justin Long. Okay. No relation to Ronnie Cox or Courtney Cox. Okay. Her trademark. I kid you not. IMDb trademark. Well, let me ask you. 
And what would you guess her trademark is? Her titties. We were looking for her wide, warm smile. Mm, nope. Don't think that's it. I think if you asked 10 people on the street what they think of when they think Nikki Cox, that if they've heard of her, you're getting one answer. And it's not her smile. This is saying she was in an episode of Star Trek The Next Generation. Hmm. Which I find, what, how would I not know that? Maybe she was an alien and not recognizable. Guess. Um, it's actually not even in her IMDb. That can't be. Oh, no. Here she is. Oh, shit. That's who she was? Fuck. All right. Well, uh, there's a weird episode of Next Generation where Data is pen pals with this little girl. And that's who she was. Huh. But she is she is pretty heavily made up uh, in alien accoutrement. Anyway, um, so that's been our little Nikki Cox rabbit hole. But yeah, Nikki A. Cox and Nikki A. Cox. Bet there was a lot of fun on set with that. Yeah. I wonder if the actress playing Tammy tried to cash the actress playing Mary's check. I'm like, oh, sorry. Common mistake. <laughs> I, I'm here for the check for Nikki A. Cox, please. Yeah. Thank you. So all that Tammy cares about is where the money is. They escort her up to Lloyd's room where she finds the aforementioned translucent briefcase completely empty and just starts wailing on Danny for reasons, which will be a recurring sentence with a question mark at the end. I'm going to have throughout the rest of this episode because a lot of things here just get done for reasons. Yeah, no, that's she. She did a crime. She did a hit. It was not nice. She did. A, she did a few. hits. Yeah, she was she was swinging wild. She, I, she made like, more contact than Nate Robinson did last night. That's for sure. Got him. Roasting. Also, like, this is the hand that's potentially going to feed her. I wouldn't be biting it so aggressively. Yeah, especially all these claims for her money, her money. Yeah. Don't actually have a, uh, a claim to that, sweetheart, so. Well, and Ed gives Danny a lot of shit for not checking backgrounds. And look, maybe all this happened off screen. But did we actually run the papers on Tammy? Yeah. I, Do we know? At least ask for a driver's license to see the name. Give me something here. And for a show that loves to see us in security running things through databases, we get no mention of them doing any diligence on Tammy here. Everyone in this place is bad at their jobs. Except Mitch. Good old Mitch. They just didn't even <laughs> ask Mitch. So in security, they review the tapes. They confirm Danny's assertion that no one entered the room after Lloyd left. So they're sort of like, well... Who the fuck knows what's going on now? Must be the money went out with them. The coupon fucks, by the way, are Chicagoland dipshits, are now holding court in the middle of the casino floor, handing out their coupons to a bunch of young people for whom I refuse to believe these coupons are any interest. <laughs> They're not looking for buy one, get one half off tickets to the Ripley's Believe It or Not. I mean, a lot of these people are women dressed in club attire in their 20s, unless these coupons are for like 80% off bottle service. I just don't see like, oh, $8 prime rib down in Fremont Street. Cool. <laughs> Let's. Sorry, ladies, we're not going dancing anymore. Yeah. Changing plans. We're going to the Delano. Nessa shepherds them in a mystique and calls Sam to unfuck the situation, which she comes to do. And I'm like, why is Sam? Not my problem. Not my problem. Like when she has a big problem they knew me. going too. Yeah. yeah. Meanwhile, she's taking her eye off the ball, which we'll see in this scene. So Sam shoves a bunch of coupons into an envelope, puts on this big show. Please. I need you two to promise me that you are not going to tell anybody about this. I brought you something. Insider coupons. <gasps> yeah, I got you the dark web coupons. To Sam's credit, this is a good plan. It's a great plan. She sells the shit out of it. Tells them they need to keep their cool. Of course they don't. And in the background of this final shot, we see hedge fund guy looking on with disgust, confusion. Nope. It is envy. He wants him some coops. Yeah, he is very intrigued by this money-saving opportunity. Up in Lloyd's suite, wifey is sucking down on some Chris, which presumably they brought to her for free because otherwise she's got no money. So why is she... Spending money on what is a retail $300 bottle of Champs. Room service is $1,500. Yeah, they, they comp the suite to Lloyd in exchange for some interviews and free PR. So I guess the suite still comp for the day. She's calling Mary a whore, which I don't really know why. Like Mary's not done anything wrong, but thinks she's the casino's 
on-call call girl. Which? Which, not great way to endear yourself to the people trying to help you out still, but... Also wrong for, like, since 17 episodes ago. Yeah, exactly. If this had been the episode after the pilot, she would have a credible claim to make. But now? No. Deity's off to the hospital, goes back, because that's where he has to go at the end of every act before the commercial break. <laughs> Shows back up at the hospital, learns there's no record of anyone dying in the hospital within the last 24 hours. Because my hospital runs a good operation. No deaths in my hospital. He produces the death certificate, which how he had already is a goddamn does, miracle of bureaucracy. Does not exist yet. Asked to see the doctor that signed it. Oh, I'm Dr. Barnes, says this guy who is, of course, black because the Dr. Barnes we met first was white. Danny just stammering. That's not him. That's not him to commercial. I feel like if that goes on another 10 seconds, Danny says some real racist <laughs> shit. Not intentionally, but it's one of those where no. everyone else is like, come on, you can't say that, man. You could have said he was bald, Danny, and the other guy had hair. Yeah, you could have gone with looked like a homeless man's version of fucking Shaggy from Scooby-Doo. Yeah, this Dr. Barnes looks like a doctor. The other one looked like a meth head. Where's your meth head doctor? <laughs> back in the hotel, Sam and Danny are going back to Lloyd's suite. Why is Sam there? I don't know. I have no idea why Sam is involved at this point. So later on, Sam and Danny are going to be walking down the hallway to, uh, to another room. I, I almost feel like Somehow Sam accidentally got put on the call sheet. And they're like, well, let's just throw her in the scene, I you're guess. Here, you're I here, might as well. Yeah, we got Vanessa, I guess, throw her in the scene. <laughs> that that makes as much sense as anything. So they go to tell Tammy, hey, we're sorry. Turns out your husband that we thought was dead isn't dead. She's paying her nails. Can't really be bothered by this development. But does allow us how that the doctor that they encountered was actually probably Lloyd's old gaming buddy, who goes by the name of Doc. And, oh, yeah, they both work at that hospital. Doc is an orderly. Lloyd is a janitor. So they would know, you know, how to play the game. Danny. But, so Danny's going to have a habit of taking people places that he shouldn't. Yeah, that's fair. And this is the start of that. Well, I guess you could argue that he took Sam to the suite for no reason. So this is the second instance. Well, of just this episode. We've seen it happen many times. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm saying I'm saying just this episode. Danny is addicted to dragging people places they shouldn't sure. be. And he's going to go to Doc's motel apartment thing with the wife. We find Lloyd there. Lloyd and the wife are going to throw some throw some light punches at each other. We have the big confrontation. Lloyd faked his death. Didn't want to give the old ball and chain half. Who can blame him? Then everyone realizes, oh, damn, I think Doc split with the money and left Lloyd a suitcase of generic Viagra in its place. There was a whole lot of boner pills in that suitcase. A whole lot. And look. They're obviously packaged like samples so that, you know, they weren't costing Doc any money. But like this is not too far from our question a few episodes ago about how do you get that much paper cut like money banded on such short notice? Like he is he has been that's a lot of samples. He has been stealing boxes and boxes of this for months. Yeah. This is this is two pallets of sample Viagra that he shoved in his suitcase. <laughs> We're coming out of the opera where Delinda, Bet and Ed have gone. We get some more fractious relationship between Ed and Bet, But I'd like to focus on some TV trivia here for you. Okay. So that building that they were coming out of, the purported opera building, mm -hmm. is actually the Los Angeles Center Studios. Man. Where a whole bunch of shit is filmed and is also used as the exterior for a lot of things. Hmm. It did seem to be a familiar building. Uh, it was the FBI building in numbers for its entire run. Mm -hmm. Like anytime you had an exterior shot. Oh. It was there. Okay. Uh, it was the site of the Santos campaign office building in the West Wing. And it was in uh, Mad Men a whole bunch. There you go. Yeah. Those like spokes sticking out. Are pretty yeah. Iconic. I was going to say I when they were coming out of that, I was like, I've definitely seen this before. I But yeah. I didn't really put any of those together. One of the few filming locations that is actually in like downtown L.A. proper. Huh. Yeah. So anyway, they're done with the opera. Bet wants to get fucked up on some sherry or brandy or something. And Delilah is like, yeah, girl, I got you. By the way, Ed, dad, take a cab. You can't come in the limo with us. I've got questions. So so Ed's going to tell Mike, because it turns out Mike's been driving them around in the limo, to let him know where they go. Why is Mike driving them around in the limo? Well, we, we know that 
members of the Montecito staff had been enlisted to help make this a nice time for Bet part so she would have uh-huh. a good time. Ed obviously trying to he's he's not thrilled she's there, but really trying to make sure she has a good time. You know, as they're coming out of the opera says, Are are you having fun? Did you enjoy that? And gets completely no sold, just doesn't even get a response, which Bet, you're the worst. But, you know, Sam and Mary hooked him up with all these tickets. Mike, I think, is doing his part to drive him around in the limo. Everyone's pitching it. I feel like a comparable part would have been Mike setting them up with a really good limo driver, not him being the one that does it. Completely agree. At this point, I'm convinced Mike will do anything that keeps him from actually parking cars. Yeah, he just like that is that is his only goal. In life. He just wants to be around. But I feel like this is a pretty demeaning favor to be doing because he's not just driving around. He's opening and closing doors like Mike is. Mike is in a service role here. However, the wildest thing about this, we will later find out that Delinda has taken Bet back to Club Mystique. Delinda knew that. Delinda knew where they were going, knew that her father would want to go back to the casino, which is where they were going, and still told him, fuck you, get a cab. Yeah, very easily they could have split ways once they got to the Montecito. Yeah. What the, and like, even if Delinda wanted to keep up this farce, be like, all right, dad, we'll drop you off at the employee entrance or the West Valet. And then Mike drives around to the main valet or something. Yeah. Like this was just a dick move by Delinda, which, hey, it runs in the family, I guess. <laughs> Danny fills Ed in on the Lloyd Doc situation. And Ed, in a rare bright moment for the entire episode, says, great, done and dusted. We fixed the problem. Roll credits. Danny keeps talking. And every time Ed's like, don't care. Not our problem. Yeah. Don't give yep. a shit. Vaya con Dios. But Danny, foolish, foolish Danny, says, well, you know, at one point, Ed says, I, I don't care about these idiots. Why would we? And Danny goes, well, they're locals. They're our idiots. And to Ed's credit, he only says, all right, you want to help some more fucking locals? Knock yourself out. Come back to work when you finish. You're taking PTO on this one. Yeah, I'm actually surprised he didn't say, Ed, you're going to be taking time off for this bullshit to run this down. So, Ed... If only he'd said, no, I'm the boss. Cut these guys loose. Could have saved the episode. Doesn't. Danny wants to stay involved. Of course he does. World turns on. We get a throwaway line that Sam's big whale has been circling the tables, but not actually gambling. As Dan walks to the room, barges into Lloyd's suite, thinking they're fighting. No, apparently he said, well, I've got a bag full of boner pills. Might as well pop a couple dozen they're doing some very loud and uncomfortable sounding boning. It does not sound like it is pleasurable for anybody. Like, and this isn't to me like one of those things where they're like trying to like throw you off the scent. But really, in retrospect, obviously they're boning. At this point, we've seen the episode multiple times. We know where this is going. They're painful words. Like, this is like, ow, what are you doing? Is some exact quotes like, Jesus Christ, Lloyd, like. Was she doing pull-ups off it? Like, what the fuck? <laughs> like he's, he's never actually had a hard-on before, so he didn't know what would happen. <laughs> Who knows, man? Maybe maybe that's why she keeps cheating on him. <laughs> maybe. So Danny's up there trying to find out where the fucking Doc is. And they really don't seem to give a shit about helping him out. I want him to be like, motherfuckers, I'm looking for your money. Why does this have to be like a tooth extraction? Help me out yeah, here. You would think they would be a little more intrigued and interested in this. No, I guess... Rudy's too busy thinking about how many people dropped their jerseys off for him to play in a game. <laughs> Can't be bothered to fucking pay attention to his money. The problem is he's had his first erection ever and all the blood has rushed out of his head and he's never had to think with a boner before. So he's, he's just not all there. These two idiots finally piece it together that the gambling addict is addicted to gambling. And oh, yeah, that the game is poker. And in a city fucking chock full of poker tables, Daddy's like, well, I have enough to go on. <laughs> See That's ya. all I need. Yeah. He's I think at that point, Danny just wants the fuck out of the room as soon as possible. Danny was the kid who would play Carmen San Diego as a kid and would get the first question and then immediately try to guess <laughs> who the person is. Yeah. It's like, ah, oh, fuck. Yep. It didn't work. All right, let's try again. <laughs> Come on, man. I, I like to imagine Danny plays uh guess who? And he's like, All right, is your person a guy? And they're like, Yeah. He goes, Okay, is it Bob? No. Okay, is it Steve? No. Okay, is it Tim? No, Danny. You know, you could get you could ask other questions. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Is it Fred? All right, fuck you, Danny. I quit. It was, in fact, Fred, though. <laughs> well, yeah, that's why they made a big show of quitting. <laughs> we come back to security. Danny's put out feelers for the doc. 
Sam's whale's gone off the grid. And perhaps most upsetting to Ed, there's rumor of a roving craps game in the hotel. Good old Mitch, the only guy doing his job, is scrolling through footage to find the unusual foot traffic because Ed's worried the gaming commission's going to catch wind. And, you know, that's going to come down bad for the monster. Yeah, you're, you're getting fined heavy, you could get shut down. That's... Yeah. As, as somebody who is very financially tied to the operations of the Montecito, you do not want to fuck with the operations of the Montecito. And Bronson finds out, oh boy. So Ed gets a call for Mike about where mom and daughter ended up. They're at Mystique. Okay. Mike lets them open the door to Mystique without telling him what's going on in there, which is an all-male review, which not a good strategic decision. I- I, I mean, he did walk past a giant sign that said all-male review, and the doors are pretty see-through. It's pretty obvious what's going on. Well, clearly it wasn't to Ed, because Ed was aghast that this was happening. What had me aghast is that upon the doors opening, they all just spilled out of the club for reasons. It did, that does seem frowned upon. And why would, if you're at a nightclub, ostensibly having a good time, why would your instinct be to leave said club when the doors open. Yeah, you lose the darkness and the good club lights, and now you're back in the bright casino. That's not what you want at all. Wearing a red banana hammock. <laughs> Sam and Danny link up in the hotel hallway. This was the actual time Sam was supposed to be on the hotel hallway call sheet. Danny's all, "What? why are you here? Sam's like, why are you here? And I wanted Danny to be like, fuck you, I asked first, because <laughs> that's the tenor of this episode. Danny's found a lead on this craps game, and Sam has heard from room service all of her whale's comp food is going to this one room. That's not his room. They converge on the same place. And I cannot tell you how much I wanted a bomb to go off in this room. That does not surprise me at all. It is a coupon-based craps game. I feel like if this happened in real life and we were walking down the hall from our, we had just checked in, we're all excited, we're getting ready to hit the floor. If we walked by and the door was open the way it was and you saw something like this happening, you're going in and starting a fight. Like you, you, you personally would just see red and start throwing punches. Okay, I think there's a 60% chance of that. What's? I think there's a 35% chance that depending on how, what our current level of intoxication is at that moment. We go in and try and like out craps nerd them. Be like, all right, I want two coupons on the pass line. Give me full odds. Uh, three way yo with the say it with the tanning salon coupon. Like there is there is maybe one percent that that happens. There's no way that we yeah. would waste our time not playing for actual money for shitty coupons. Uh, I actually think what we do is we go in, swipe their food and drink. Yeah, we and we still beer hit the road. Yeah, <laughs> uh, how. Do you think was somebody banking this was was the kitty the bank of this illicit coupon crabs game? It's, at one point, I think that Jane Lynch says everyone's a winner. It sounds like you just roll dice and you get a coupon. It's there's idiocy going. Well, in which case I have to take some umbrage because that sounds like everyone's a fucking loser. One thousand percent. There's no winning in coupon crabs. <laughs> they often say that. So Danny puts an end to this. Sam pulls Walt aside. Talking about like, hey, you like this. Let's get you down to the floor. You're going to love real gambling. Nah, I'm not much of a gambler, he says. Sam, who has been around investors, I would think, all the time. Yeah. In her lo- in her role as a casino host, equates running a hedge fund to casino gaming. How did she miss so badly? Yeah, it's A, that's kind of the exact opposite. And B, I mean, it was it was very clear from the jump that this was not your guy. We You mentioned, you know. How would this guy have gotten to the age he is in that profession and not already been locked up if he was going to gamble? This was, you know, you're flying him out on the jet. That's a just terrible, terrible call by Sam. Well, and, you know, she's insulting the guy because obviously he doesn't think this way. How does Ed not let her go at this point? You know, I, I, we've talked a lot about like how her PL has to absorb her comps. Probably there's some component mm-hmm. of that. But I mean, this is just an unmitigated disaster. And the jet's going to be, you know, Best case, he came from San Francisco, where there's big investors. Probably more likely he came from New York, maybe Chicago, maybe Denver. At minimum, out and back, two hours each way on the jet, we're looking at a minimum $40,000 of hard dollars. Not like, well, the suite wasn't being used anyway. Right. Yeah, no, You the, the fuel ain't free. Yeah, we got Jet A pilots wear and tear on the bird. Like, Sam, pay up. That's going to be a big chunk of her annual take home. Just 
right out yeah, the door. Yeah, you're, you're taking the next one, couple of these on the house. Ed calls Danny to film, tell him they just found Doc at a downtown card room named Doc Holidays because that's just the kind of episode <laughs> this is. I mean, we're just at this point, we're dick deep and terrible. So let's just embrace Did it. Did at least make you feel better that Danny made the obvious joke and Ed goes, no, he's just a fucking moron. Yes, it would have made me better if he'd said, and so are you, <laughs> dipshit Danny. I'm your huckleberry. That's just my game. Because Danny, again, addicted to dragging people places they shouldn't be, takes Lloyd and Tammy to go confront Doc for reasons. So this one, I think, actually does make sense because, as was made very clear, it's not Danny's money. It's not Danny's job. He is reuniting them with their money. Go figure it out, you idiots. I, c- I could see the logic on this one. So here's why I can't. Because what Doc has done is still a crime. Sure. Yeah, it's not Danny's money, but it's still a crime. And Danny, who is a security and surveillance professional in the same way that these YouTube boxers are professionals, <laughs> is going to go into another casino and bring fuel for a fight. Like, that's just really poor showing from Danny to go into this card room and start shit. Basically. Severe lack of etiquette. Like, he need to go to them and be like, hey, Billy, we play baseball together. Did you hear about candy? Anyway, here's the situation. I need your guys and giant collars to move in, get this guy into a back room. I'll bring in my people. We handle it off the floor. Instead, Tammy goes fucking Tanya Harding on him and like basically spear tackles Kaluli. him. <laughs> but I can't believe I skipped over this. We see that Doc, in addition to being a terrible poker player, which we knew, is leaving the suitcase of cash just sitting on the floor. Just right next to him for him to reach in and keep buying in. We know he's already in for three. He's now on his fourth buy-in. Just getting cleaned out. Were you on the trip with me when at the last playing in the high limit room at Cosmo with the Saudi prince? I was not, sadly, but this sounds like a good time. Well, the punchline is he never called himself a Saudi prince, but he flew uh, to Vegas in his own F-15. OK, yeah. <laughs> Safe. Uh, which, yeah. And he had a legal uh, folder like, you know, with the, the brass brads, mm-hmm. you know, that fold down full of cash that he would walk around with and often leave on a chair and move to another table in the room and a pit boss would have to like see it, grab it, scurry over and be like, my friend, you've left your cash in this envelope just sitting on a chair. And at one point we are at, I think, a roulette table or something. We're all within this is all within like the not the Talon Club, but just like the main high uh-huh. room at Cosmo. And at one point he I think we're at roulette because we were standing and you can't put things on the table. And so he asks me to hold the envelope for him while he gets out more money from said envelope. Ed, I think this was like three or four hundred thousand dollars in this envelope. Were you like, can I get a little, little shipping and handling for your boy here? Did I mention the part where I think he was Saudi royalty? <laughs> Ed flew there in his fighter jet. Touche. Yeah. So, no, I did exactly as asked. Uh, nice. Nice as hell. Could not have been nicer. This was like day six that he'd been there. He'd been up for 36 hours wearing a full white linen suit, white shirt. Uh, I would guess half a million dollars worth of jewelry and similarly just leave his money <laughs> wherever it was just content in the knowledge that it would be safe. So that's a charmed life. Yeah. I mean, eh. <laughs> it has its place to taste, <laughs> sure. I guess. So one other thing I skipped over before the wife bull rushes doc. And we learned that the wife has fucked doc. Also Rudy pokes Danny with his bone. Yeah, that was, that was unnecessary. You still want to go to bat for your boy, Sean Aston here? Look, he was he was told to play a just degenerate, complete shit heel of a person, and I feel he did it with a plum. Man is a good actor. This was this is on the writers, not on Sean Aston. He performed the task he was paid to do fully and completely. God, I hate this episode. <laughs> Spoilers for the end of the back, episode. Come on, Judd. Back at security. We learned that the happy couple is back in the suite until, whoops, the wife is fleeing the property with the cash stuffed up her shirt. Danny intervenes, gets her back to the room where we find she had tied up Rudy to a chair naked and he had no idea that she had split. Yeah, he he thought she was going to get ice cream. 
Yeah. This was part of a sex game. She opens the balcony window, threatening to jump. And then hands down the best part of the episode. Danny goes, great. Please do, do. it. Please. I had typed in my notes initially that Danny calls her bluff. I don't think that's what it is. I think Danny genuinely hopes she throws herself off the balcony. He, he had finally reached his limit and he was done with this, these people. And he was more than happy for her to just take a leap. Yeah, just great. End it. She obviously wasn't going to jump, but she does leave Chekhov's window open. Danny brokers a deal between Doc or excuse me, between Lloyd and Tammy after she's dumped the loose cash on the bed. They're going to split it. Each go their own way after that. Who cares? But they'll each have half the money. When Doc busts in the suite, somehow getting in through a locked hotel door and creating a wind tunnel that blows all the cash out the window and onto the strip. Would have been real easy to just, you know, close the door. Yeah. Instead of acting like they're in this air phone booth <laughs> trying to catch money in a carnival in a game. 1980s game show. Yeah. Close the door. Close the window. I mean, like, you're going to lose some of it, but not all not, of not it. Not as much as Doc just lost at the table. Right. So the episode's denouement. <laughs> it's the next morning. Ed's reading the paper up in security where the press thinks this is a PR stunt by the hotel. We're going to dig more into this later. Don't you worry. <laughs> Ed gets called down by Bet. Who wants to introduce him to Guillermo, quote, her lover, who doesn't speak much English, but is the manager of the all-male review at the Mystique that Ed somehow doesn't know. You know, the general manager of the whole resort. Now, this is a guy who knows the name of random janitors on staff, but doesn't know somebody who's ostensibly in middle management. Well, this this could be a touring act in Ed doesn't meet every, you know, random act and and their people that comes through. That's a Mary issue. That's not his problem. I I didn't balk at Ed not knowing who okay. he was. Okay. I will reluctantly concede this point, but I do find it still bizarre. Fair. Because Bet specifically called it the review at Mystique, which suggests to me that it is even if it is touring, it is a... It's been there before. An installation of sorts. I, I can see where you're coming from, but I think there is also plenty of other things to grind your axe upon. <laughs> Spoiler, said. <laughs> so they're going off to Tango. It's the end of Bet. Maybe forever, but at least for this episode. We're going to close on the TV, which somehow Bronson is allowing them to not show Notre Dame highlights from 16 months the, prior. The same Notre Dame-Michigan game. Instead, it's a local newscaster bringing us up to speed on the publicity stunt that everyone thinks the Montecito did on purpose, blowing a million dollars out onto the street. Ed makes the point earlier in security, not a stunt, not our money, all the way good for us. But the newscaster talks about the, quote, numerous accidents, 100 disorderly conduct arrests, and at least one heart attack. Counselor, correct me if I'm wrong, but the Montecito is going to be found criminally liable for this. Unless they distance themselves from it, aren't they? Yeah, they're going to need to do some work on this. There is a... Because at least 100 people got booked and there were car accidents. There's, at the very least, causing a nuisance is on the board. Like, if they'd actually done it as a stunt, you have to think that the Gaming Commission, Metro, I mean, heads were going to you're, roll. You're, you've got a lot of paperwork you're about to be filling out for sure. Yeah. Now, here's my question. Obviously, we know that this wasn't a stunt and that it was an accident. But is there any blowback on the idiots? You know, I, I guess technically you could bring those same charges on those folks. But I think, you know, much like if you get in a car wreck that was your fault, you're not going to get the failure to turn your signal on ticket for a hundred bucks. You've been punished by, oh, no, your car's gone. I think they're going to look, the DA is going to look at this and go, yeah, they did lose a million dollars. I think they've, uh, I think they've gotten their just desserts. I mean, maybe, but the DA didn't have to watch this episode. <laughs> or or meet Tammy and Lloyd. Right. Yeah, God help them if they have to go into court. Because <laughs> the DA would be like, uh, Your Honor, I'm sorry. We had reached a pretrial arrangement. I've now met them. Nope. Uh, we will be seeking the death penalty. Also, I expect this trial to take seven minutes. Good luck with your preemptive strikes, defendants, because I'm going to be able to find any 12 jurors that will convict <laughs> you. Ed? Did you by any chance like this episode? Uh, no, I, I did not like the episode. I didn't think it was a great episode. I I don't think that I had the same. Well, let's ask the question just for, for the official record. Sure. Judson, did you enjoy the episode? No. Damn. Lost that bet. I hated every aspect of it. This was the worst episode by far. I would watch the 
Diva episode five times in a row, starting right now. Like, disconnect from the Zoom. I will sit down and watch it before I would watch this episode one more time. <laughs> Horrible. I, I certainly think it was a bad episode, but I, I do not have it as low-ranked, meaning at the very bottom, probably with just some invisible layers thrown in there for ire's sake <laughs> that you've got it. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to put it in the... I mean, it's obviously 17 of 17 right now, but I'm going to go ahead and guarantee it a spot in the bottom five for the full run of the show. Hands down. That's a, a bold claim, but certainly, certainly possible. I, so I think seasons two and three, I remember as being leaps and bounds the best. Agreed. I think season four was had some rough spots. I thought season five was actually pretty fun. Pretty good season. I remembered season one being better than it has been. Yeah, there were there have been some more the highs have been high, but the lows have been. Yeah, there have been some more stinkers than I recall. Uh, Now, I am concerned because earlier you joked that we were going to end the podcast over my disrespect for Rudy. I am worried we are going to end the podcast over this next segment. As a reminder, Ed, the chip lead is currently being held in advance. No one is defending the chip lead. Would you like to proffer? A new chip leader? I actually have a name on offer. I'm sorry, that is incorrect. I, I, I think you'll want to hear this out, though, because had there been a space buck bet about it, I don't think that you would ever have guessed this to happen. I'm going to offer Mary Connell as the new chip leader. Wow. I know, but here's my logic. Make your case. Here's counselor. my logic. We hear that Mary's job, essentially, you know, she is the supposedly the event coordinator Special events coordinator, I think she would tell you. But we hear a lot about how PR is essentially her gig. She has to deal with these garbage humans, but does a hell of a lot better job than Danny does when he's with them, than Ed does when he's with them very briefly. Sure. She, I mean, she obviously takes shit from Tammy just because she's a trash person, but gets through pretty unscathed. And now just got the biggest win of her career in all this great PR for doing absolutely nothing. And yet she can take credit for all of this because, hey, numbers are going through the roof. Holler at your gal for nothing. And she did not do anything offensive. She got a she got to get a good jab in at Danny when Danny thought that he, she was going to go into rom-com stuff and was like, no, I'm not. You idiot. It's not always about us. I never thought I would offer this, but I would say that Mary had a great performance in an episode full of terrible performances by everyone else, and the belt is up for grabs. I I don't think it was a Bad Mary episode and would in fact offer her as the new chip leader. I think I will accept your premise, mostly because I want to sign, seal, and deliver Mary as a chip leader, because I think she's it's never going to sniff this title again. Almost zero chance. But she also set this whole thing in motion, which <laughs> if we just had a giant cardboard check, I get... A couple hours of my life back. <laughs> but fine. Mary Connell, please step forward and collect your prize. You are the new chip leader. Bing. I would like to throw out a special mention to Samantha J. Marquez, who's had back to back stinkers. I mean, fucking cartoon stink line. Horrible. She's, she is digging into the bag next to her like the idiot doc. <laughs> Just throwing money back on the table. I think she's in the space that previously had only been occupied by Mary of it's going to take a lot to get her back. Yeah, she, she's got a lot of work to do, especially, you know, we gave credit solely to Vanessa Marcel for the blackout episode. Right? Sam didn't catch the hose. So, yeah, Sam's Sam's struggling right now. And I think we will find some great Sam episodes in the future, but it's going to take one baby two, you know, grade A episodes to get her back in the running for Chip. Yeah, Ed, Ed and Danny are way ahead. Nessa hasn't really done anything offensive or... Which has yeah, been she's, fine. she's just I riding mean, level. Yeah, she's buying the occasional blinds, otherwise just folding real tight. Like, okay, waiting for her move. Yeah, Sam's... Which I'm afraid won't ever come, but at least she won't bounce out like a chump that Mary and now Sam... Is. Yeah, she, she got her best episode of the season already early on, so... Don't see much coming from Nessa, but she's doing all right. Ed, my friend, what do we have on tap for next, next week? Next week on Pod at the Montecito, Nevada State. Sam's past comes back to haunt her when an escaped murderer tracks her down at the casino to avenge her testifying against him. 
Meanwhile, backstabbing tactics are also at hand when the Montecito plays host to a statewide cheerleading competition. I don't know that I remember this. I recall this being both a good episode and a good Sam episode. I I think she's going to get some chips back next week. Oh, I remember an episode about this fan or about this uh, this episode that you and I are going to take umbrage with that might move Nessa down the. Oh, she is she about to get a little loose. Uh, This is the episode where we find out that Nessa is a Manchester United fan. Mm, It's not going to help. It's not going to help. I I blame that on a lazy writer's room of at the time that is literally the only English team that anyone in America could name because of David Beckham. No. So so this is the episode where there's basically a uh, there are a couple townies from London who are Chelsea fans and she gets into it with them. Oh, that's because this was the era where NBC Sports was airing. Man U and Chelsea games. And that was it back all the way back in 2004. Yeah, I didn't. I I think we were still early for that, but it's possible. Well, maybe I just know that NBC leaned heavily into those oh, two yeah, teams sure. for a while. Still, still, still well, fairly so heavy. It had to be in college because you went off to college hating soccer and came back from college liking it. Yeah, but that wasn't till like 2006 when the Road to the World okay. Cup game came out. And I learned about Didier Drogba, and we played a billion hours of it that summer. As Azerbaijan? As uh, Ivory, no, yeah, Ivory Coast, baby. 1,000% yeah. elephants. Ed, do you have any advice for our loyal listeners? Kids, if you happen to have a job that requires you to find people who gamble for your well-being, don't send them a private jet unless you know that they actually gamble. In a rare moment, I think that's great advice, but in a rare moment, may I also proffer some of my own? Please. Friends? If you're given a million dollars in cash and a translucent briefcase, make your first job to be buy a different briefcase. Now, I think that is good advice for the most part. But think if they had kept the money in the translucent briefcase the whole time, Doc doesn't make the switch to boner pills and the money doesn't get stolen by him. Or if it does, it's just made very obvious much earlier. That actually been a funny day. <laughs> I mean, like, he shakes they, the briefcase. They pick it up from under the bed and it's like, wait a minute, that doesn't look like money. All right, sir. Well, thank you for helping me get through this episode. I had fun talking about it with you, if not watching hey, it. Hey, look at it this way. It can only go up from here for you. Rudy. Rudy. I, I know you were going through a lot with this episode, so I, I will tr- I've tried to put past the horrific things you have said this episode. Rudy. Thank you to everyone who keeps listening. Feel free to write it and let us know why. <laughs> Especially after this one. Thank you to everyone who continues to not sue us or serve us with cease and desist notices. Yeah, big, big ups on that. And yeah, thank you. Uh, I guess in the spirit of Thanksgiving, thanks for, uh, you know, I'm thankful that everyone I know at least has been staying healthy and safe. And uh, I hope everyone continues to, d- to do the same as we get through these next uh, few terrible months. Agreed. Rest in peace, Nate Robinson. Yeah. Yikes. I bet he wish he got the vid. That would have been way better. <laughs> way less embarrassing, at least. Yeah. He should have just lied and said he had it. <laughs> oh, damn. I think I think I got the Rona. I'm going to have to bow out of I mean, this. Jake Paul doesn't seem like he washes his hands enough. It's very possible that he caught it on a jab in the first round. <laughs> the literal insult <laughs> to injury. <laughs> All right. Well, I've been John. He's been Ed. And this, as you may have guessed, has been Pod at the Montecito. Deuces. Will cries when he watches the movie Weedy. No, I don't. Cries like an onion. Onions make you cry. They don't themselves experience emotion.